Good morning and welcome to our broadcast today. Uh, we are broadcasting once again via uh, technology, a video and audio link to you. Uh, because of the coronavirus, because of the current situation that we are under, and uh, we just feel like it is safer for everybody concerned if we reach out through technology to bring to you a message of God's Word. I hope the men and women of the John Thompson Center and of the Friendship Home are being uh, taken care of. I hope you're safe. And I realize uh, above and beyond many other things that this is a very difficult time. For it is for everyone. And I know it especially is for you men and women and the children there. But I want you to know that we love you. I want you to know that we are here for you. Reach out to us by telephone. Reach out by uh, email. Uh, reach out anyway by Facebook. By any way that you feel need necessary if you need us. And rest assured we will be in touch with you. And we will be dedicated to helping you in any way possible. Today, before we begin our, um, our Bible study, our message, if you will, for today, uh, I want to ask that you join me in a word of prayer. We need prayer today more so than at any other time in my life. Uh, the world is topsy-turvy right now. There is chaos on every corner. And because of that, I am planning this afternoon, sometime later in the afternoon, to put together a prayer time that will be done on Facebook Live. And I want to encourage you to join me for that. I have asked for many months for prayer requests over Facebook and the response has been overwhelming. And I want you to know that I do pray for these. And I want to begin today, if at all possible, by broadcasting a Facebook Live prayer time in which I look at these prayer requests. I will not call anyone out by name, circumstance, or situation, but we will have a brief devotional, and then we will move into a prayer time, and I want to invite you to join me in that, if you will. So be watching Facebook for my, um, my prayer time. It will be coming across my personal page. That would be Terry Cheek, and if you will just go to Facebook search, if you don't have it marked already, and type in that name, uh, it will come up, and you can link to me, uh, friend me, whatever you want to do, and uh, we will be very glad to have you join us during that time. But right now, let's go to God in prayer and ask Him to bless our service today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time that you have given. Thank you for the technology that you have prepared Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the message that you have given to be shared today. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of those watching and listening today, and I pray that your word would be a blessing to them. Now, Lord, I pray that your word would not return to you void, but that it will accomplish everything that you have purposed it to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to be reading to you from Psalms 91 verses 1 and 2 this week. God's Word says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him 
will I trust? As we think about that passage, as we think about what the psalmist shared with us in those words, I want to move into a message titled, Finding Peace from the Name of God. We seem to be looking for peace in these unsettled days. And to say that, it is an understatement at the least. Between COVID-19, the financial crisis that is caused by it, the unemployment that has come about from both previous crises that I mentioned, from these and many more, we find ourselves living in stressful times. To say the least, these are stressful times. But for a little while today, I want to bring you the prescription for peace. And yes, there is a prescription in God's Word for peace. And that peace is personal. Yes, it will be noticed and can be noticed and felt on a national scale. It can be felt and noticed worldwide, but it must begin with you and I, and it must begin inside of our heart. So it being a personal peace, where do we find it? Well, I want you to know from the words of the psalmist, we can find it inside the name of God. I want you to notice with me four things from that passage that I just read. First, I want you to notice that we find peace by talking with Him humbly because He is the Most High. When we come to God humbly, we find He, he is the Most High. We have a tendency in our lives to put things above God. Now, don't be cutting me off. And don't be saying, no, not me, because let's be honest. We do have a tendency to put things above God. All of us do. We find ourselves in the busy, hectic lives that we live, putting things daily, things that are needed around the home, things that are needed in the workplace, things that are needed even in the church life and among the church. Things that are needed on a daily basis inside of our home. We have a tendency of putting them above God. How about our financial needs and our stock market? How much have we worried about what we're losing in the stock market today versus how much we are losing in our relationship with God? Let's get real about this. We go, if we're going to talk about this situation that we're in today and we're going to talk about and agree that we need God in our lives and we need God moving and working in a mighty and powerful way, then it must start individually in our own personal lives. Some things I want to expound upon. There is nothing or no one that is above God. And that means nothing. That means there is no professional athlete. That means there is no sport that means there is no race car driver. That means there is no football player. That means there is no basketball player. That means there is no baseball player that is above God. There is no politician that is above God. There is no pastor or preacher that is above God. There is no deacon. There is no one that is worldwide acclaimed that is above God. And we have a problem in our society of taking people and placing them on a pedestal that is so high that we influence others to thinking they themselves are a god. These people are some type of a god. They are worshipped. You don't think they are worshipped? 
Look at a sporting event. I realize they're canceled now, but go back and look at sporting events of last year. Thousands upon tens of thousands will be gathered in a stadium or in a coliseum to watch a sporting event. They will be shouting and screaming to the top of their lungs. Come Sunday in the church house, you can hear a pin drop because people would rather use it for a nap time than they had for a worship time. That is a problem that comes back to the church, not to the world. If the worldly people are going to find themselves in stadiums shouting and celebrating and worshiping those people that are on the courts or on the fields, then why can't the children of God stand up and be counted as the children of God and as of the saints of God and be recognized that way? Folks, if that's going to be the case, the house of God is going to have to start putting God first. God is going to have to be the most high. There is nothing or no one that is more omniscient than God. That's right. God is all-knowing in everything that he does, all-knowing. He knows our heart. And that ought to scare us. That really ought to scare us today. When we take a deep look inside of the closets of our heart and of our life, and we look at the things that we have tried to sweep under the rug and that we're trying to hide from those around us, and we stop and we take a sobering thought, God knows everything. That ought to jar us. That ought to shake us to our knees today. That ought to have us looking at God, asking Him for His forgiveness, asking Him for His repentance in our life, asking Him to wash and wipe away those things, asking Him to be real in our life because He is the Most High. Next, there is nothing or no one that is more omnipotent than God. Nothing is more powerful. We are celebrating today, for the most part, the power of our federal government in passing this so-called stimulus package that's going out there. And, and though there are those who are going to need the stimulus money, and there are those who are going to be needing that stuff drastically, and it's going to help out a lot of people, and I'm thankful for it, but realize the authority that comes from all of those things, the authority that is given to each and every one of them does not come from the government. It does not come from the people. It comes from God. He supplies that. It is God that is all-powerful. If God chose not to let us have that stimulus package, He would wipe away the finances that we're going to use to pay for it. God would intervene in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It is God that is all-powerful. It is God that's going to wipe away this virus. It is God that's going to restore the stock market if it's going to be restored. It is God that's going to take care of the unemployment crisis if it's going to be taken care of at all. It is God that's going to take care of me and my family. It is God that's going to take care of you and your family. God is the one that is all-powerful and God is the one that is most high today. We need to keep that vision and we need to keep that thought. There is nothing or no one that is more omnipresent than God. He is not just in my life, but He is in your life. And He is in our lives together at the very same time. Don't ask me how He does it. He is God. He knows. He created everything. He moves in everything that is around us. Every, every time the breeze blows, 
it is He who makes it stir. Every time the rain falls, it is God that places it above our house. It is God that moves in everything that we do. It is God that is everywhere in every tragedy, in every blessing, in every praise, in every worship, in it all. It is God. Well, when we think about that, we have to remember that we often fail to approach God with the reverence that He deserves or that He even commands. We bow our heads in prayer, but do we pray in reverence? We open our Bible and we read, but do we open our Bible and read in reverence? What do we do in reverence to God? How do we humble ourselves before Him and place Him as most high in our life? We are told over and over and over in God's Word that He deserves and that He should be placed in these areas of our life and that He should be there as the omnipotent, omnipresent, and omnipotent one of our life. He should be the Most High. But how often do we place Him there? Do we want peace in life? Do we really want it bad enough to put God where He belongs? Because honestly, that's what it's going to take. If we want to return to genuine peace, in difficult times, we must return to God on His terms. We have to remember that. Israel lost track of that throughout the Old Testament. They were constantly placed under bondage in one way or another because they lost track of who God was in their life. They lost track of the importance of God in their life. Folks, America is losing the place of God and His importance in our life. And I will go far enough to say, it's not nothing new. America has lost this a long time ago. For decades, this has been going downhill. For decades, we have been ignoring God. We have been ignoring His Word. I remember as a small child, when we would pray before school, before class, the teachers would lead us in prayer. I remember when they would lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I remember when school was a safe place to go. I remember when God's hand was on the hand of the teacher and when God's hand was on the hand of the school and on the, the, the building of the school and when God's hand was in the teaching of the curriculum. I remember this. And I know now that there are good godly teachers that are out there and God's hand is on their lives as well. But I also know as a system, we have asked God to leave and we've asked God to move out. We've told God to move on. We don't want Him anymore. And then when tragedy strikes, we want to ask where God is. Well, if He's not there, it's because we've asked Him to move. Folks, we've got to get real about this. If we want peace back in our lives and we want it to come from an eternal state, we've got to get God back to being the most high in our lives. Well, also, we've got to realize that we find peace through rest in Him. Through rest in Him as the Almighty. Look at our passage. It says plainly the Almighty. So, when we come to God as the Almighty, we find that He is... Shaddai. That is the Hebrew for Almighty. This is the name for the Lord, the Old Testament people of faith. They referred to Him as El Shaddai, God Almighty. The term is found in passages that report 
God's promises of fertility, land, and abundance to them, indicating that he, the Almighty, could fulfill his promises. Here's something that we can apply in our lives today, folks. We can apply from the Old Testament. How can God fulfill promises in our lives? We want to think about that. We call them blessings today, but they are promises for God's word. How does God prepare them and place them inside of our life? It is because we understand him as almighty, as El Shaddai. I just got through speaking about having him as the most high. Him being the most high, he needs to also be the almighty. When we see him as the Almighty, we realize there's some very real things that take place in our life. We realize that peace is found through rest. Rest in God as the Almighty. When we realize him and we put him on a pedestal to be where he is supposed to be and we consider him the El Shaddai in our life, then we realize first and foremost that there is nothing that God cannot do. There are some things that he will not do but there is nothing that he cannot do. And we have to separate those things because God will separate them. There are things that God will not do in our lives. I tell people all the time, God will always answer our prayers and our petitions before him. He will either answer them as a yes, no, or a not now. Yes, no, or not now. And it's all based upon what God knows about our life and what God wants to move and put forth in our life. Folks, think about that. We ask God to do certain things in our life and we picture, we picture the end. We picture what God, what God wants to do. We have an idea and we're asking God not to answer our prayer, but we're asking God to grant us our wish. Do we really consider him the Almighty or are we considering him some genie in a bottle that we rub our Bible and he appears and he grants our wishes? There's a difference. God may look ahead in our life and he may see that what we want and the way we want it is not best for us. And he will grant that prayer only according to his will. We're too often not willing to do that. We're too often not willing to accept that. And then we walk away feeling that God has somehow let us down. Instead of us walking away realizing that God has our best interest. It is God that sees everything. It is He that is the Almighty. It is He that is the one that has a relationship that is established with us. It is He, He that is the one that will realize and move in our life. He is the one who knows what's best. So now that if we really and truly realize that God is the Almighty that we claim Him to be, we have to come back and realize that that is established by a personal relationship. We have a personal relationship with God if we know this. And that personal relationship comes to us through Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven which by a person can be saved unless it is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. He is the only way. He is the, he is the source of our relationship. Think about that. Think about that. And when we think about, mar when we think about relationships, let's think about marriage. 
There are many people today that are married, but there are many that also have a bad relationship. If they want to improve that relationship, they have to first look at themselves. They must first look to improve themselves. They must first look to improve or remove obstacles that they have put in place. Then they have to look at repairing the damage that those obstacles have caused. They have to restore that relationship. If we have a bad relationship with God today, we have to look at restoring that relationship. Now, it's not that complicated with God. You see, if we have a bad relationship with God, all we have to do is come to Him through Jesus Christ and do it genuinely. There is the trick. There is the caveat, if you will, to the whole thing. We've got to do it genuinely from the heart. God does require us to be genuine in our desire to have a relationship restored. I've known too many people that I've talked to that's wanted to get right with God long enough to cut a deal with Him. God, I'll give you this if you will give me that. God does not negotiate. God has things set. He has them set in eternity. He has them set from heaven. His Son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for you and I that we may have eternal life if we will come to Him and if we will ask Him for that and we will humble ourselves and we will pray and we will confess our sin and we will ask Him into our heart and into our life. He is almighty. He wants that relationship. Do we have that relationship? Christian, you may have had that relationship established at one time, but let me ask you a question. How far away have you strayed from that relationship? And I say, you have strayed because honestly, that's exactly what it amounts to. You see, if our relationship with God has a distance put in between us, it's because we have moved, not God. I say it very often in my messages. If we are away from our away from God and we've got distance in our relationship, it is because you and I have moved. It is not because God has moved. He is almighty. Well, we also find peace by rejoicing in him as Jehovah or as Lord. From verse 2, we read the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. Notice Lord is capitalized. This is done for a reason. God described himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read that to you. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by the name Jehovah was I not known to them. Moses knew God as Jehovah. And that was through a relationship. And through that relationship, the Hebrews rejoiced. And we discover by the, the meaning of the word, Jehovah also refers to things that have been redeemed. God as Jehovah sent Jesus as our Redeemer so that mankind could know Him as Lord and Savior. 
Folks, you think Jesus is just some novelty character? You think he is some science fiction mystical character? Something that's going to look good on a big screen Hollywood movie symbol? No, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus laid in the tomb for three days. Jesus was resurrected, a living, breathing person, got up, rolled the stone away, and walked out on his own two feet. Jesus is very, very real. God is Jehovah Lord, and Jesus is his Redeemer. Jesus is the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was Jesus. And He came. And He came to bring peace. And He came so that people could rejoice in a relationship with God. Do you want peace today? Unsaved person, those that are lost today, do you want peace? You're not going to find it in a doctor. You're not going to find it in a scientist. You're not going to find it in the government. You're only going to find it in Jesus. Christian, do you want peace today? Look inside of your life. Find out where that distance is between you and the Lord. Work on removing those obstacles. Come back to God. Come back to Him and let His peace over shadow you. One last thing. We find peace by trusting Him as El, the mighty God. To close out this morning and this message, we learn there is peace by trusting God as El or Elohim. The psalmist reveals to us that using this word, by using this word as Elohim, that God is everything. Everything. He is Creator, King, Judge, Lord, and Savior. And from these things we know His character as being a character as compassionate and graceful and faithful to His covenants. No one knew it better than the psalmist. Today, no one knows this better than the genuine Christian. To the Christian that is walking in the right relationship with God. To the Christian who is living and breathing and walking as the Word of God and in the Word of God. I want to review what I said at the beginning. There is nothing or no one that is above God. There is nothing or no one that is above Him in your personal life. There is nothing or no one that is above Him. No idols, no distractions, nothing. There is no one that's more knowing. God is all-knowing. There is no one that is more powerful. God is all-powerful in all things. There is no one that is omnipresent. God is ever-present in all of our lives. Maybe you're not a Christian. And I want you to know that you can be. You can't do anything that is so bad that you cannot be saved. And you cannot be so good that you don't need salvation either. If you want to know peace, you have to first know Jesus. And that's where I leave you today, asking you to look at your life and look at your heart. Do you know Jesus? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given today to share this message across technology, across the internet, across the airwaves. And Heavenly Father, I want you to know that I love you and I love the people that you have given me charge over. Lord, I pray that this message will go out and I pray it will touch hearts and lives as only it can touch. I pray that it would return to you accomplishing everything you want it to do. Heavenly Father, I pray that I could stand out of the way and your word would get all glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning and welcome to our broadcast today. Uh, we are broadcasting once again via uh, technology, a video and audio link to you. Uh, because of the coronavirus, because of the current situation that we are under, and uh, we just feel like it is safer for everybody concerned if we reach out through technology to bring to you a message of God's Word. I hope the men and women of the John Thompson Center and of the Friendship Home are being uh, taken care of. I hope you're safe and I realize uh, above and beyond many other things that this is a very difficult time. For It is for everyone and I know it especially is for you men and women and the children there. But I want you to know that we love you. I want you to know that we are here for you. Reach out to us by telephone, reach out by uh, email, uh, reach out anyway by Facebook, by any way that you feel need necessary if you need us. And rest assured, we will be in touch with you and we will be dedicated to helping you in any way possible. Today, before we begin our, um, our Bible study, our message, if you will, for today, uh, I want to ask that you join me in a word of prayer. We need prayer today more so than at any other time in my life. Uh, the world is topsy-turvy right now. There is chaos on every corner. And because of that, I am planning this afternoon, sometime later in the afternoon, to put together a prayer time that will be done on Facebook Live. And I want to encourage you to join me for that. I have asked for many months for prayer requests over Facebook and the response has been overwhelming. And I want you to know that I do pray for these and I want to begin today, if at all possible, by broadcasting a Facebook Live prayer time in which I look at these prayer requests. I will not call anyone out by name, circumstance, or situation, but we will have a brief devotional and then we will move into a prayer time. And I want to invite you to join me in that, if you will. So be watching Facebook for my, um, my prayer time. It will be coming across my personal page. That would be Terry Cheek. And if you will just go to Facebook search, if you don't have it marked already, and type in that name, uh, it will come up. And you can link to me, uh, friend me, whatever you want to do. And uh, we will be... Very glad to have you join us during that time. But right now, let's go to God in prayer and ask Him to bless our service today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the 
time that you have given. Thank you for the technology that you have prepared. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the message that you have given to be shared today. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of those watching and listening today, and I pray that your word would be a blessing to them. Now, Lord, I pray that your word would not return to you void, but that it will accomplish everything that you have purposed it to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to be reading to you from Psalms 91, verses 1 and 2 this week. God's word says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. As we think about that passage, as we think about what the psalmist shared with us in those words, I want to move into a message titled, Finding Peace from the Name of God. We seem to be looking for peace in these unsettled days. And to say that, it is an understatement at the least. Between COVID-19, the financial crisis that is caused by it, the unemployment that has come about from both previous crises that I mentioned, from these and many more, we find ourselves living in stressful times. To say the least, these are stressful times. But for a little while today, I want to bring you the prescription for peace. And yes, there is a prescription in God's Word for peace. And that peace is personal. Yes, it will be noticed and can be noticed and felt on a national scale. It can be felt and noticed worldwide, but it must begin with you and I, and it must begin inside of our heart. So it being a personal peace, where do we find it? Well, I want you to know from the words of the psalmist, we can find it inside the name of God. I want you to notice with me four things from that passage that I just read. First, I want you to notice that we find peace by talking with Him humbly because He is the Most High. When we come to God humbly, we find He, he is the Most High. We have a tendency in our lives to put things above God. Now, don't be cutting me off. And don't be saying, no, not me, because let's be honest. We do have a tendency to put things above God. All of us do. We find ourselves in the busy, hectic lives that we live, putting things daily, things that are needed around the home, things that are needed in the workplace, things that are needed even in the church life and among the church things that are needed on a daily basis inside of our home. We have a tendency of putting them above God. How about our financial needs and our stock market? How much have we worried about what we're losing in the stock market today versus how much we are losing in our relationship with God? Let's get real about this. We go, if we're going to talk about this situation that we're in today and we're going to talk about and agree that we need God in our lives and we need God moving and working in a mighty and powerful way, then it must start individually in our own personal lives. Some things I want to expound upon. There is nothing or no one that is above God. And that means nothing. 
That means there is no professional athlete. That means there is no sport. That means there is no race car driver. That means there is no football player. That means there is no basketball player. That means there is no baseball player that is above God. There is no politician that is above God. There is no pastor or preacher that is above God. There is no deacon. There is no one that is worldwide acclaimed that is above God. And we have a problem in our society of taking people and placing them on a pedestal that is so high that we influence others to thinking they themselves are a god. These people are some type of a god. They are worshipped. You don't think they are worshipped? Look at a sporting event. I realize they're canceled now. But go back and look at sporting events of last year. Thousands upon tens of thousands will be gathered in a stadium or in a coliseum to watch a sporting event. They will be shouting and screaming to the top of their lungs. Come Sunday in the church house, you can hear a pin drop because people would rather use it for a nap time than they had for a worship time. That is a problem that comes back to the church, not to the world. If the worldly people are going to find themselves in stadiums shouting and celebrating and worshiping those people that are on the courts or on the fields, then why can't the children of God stand up and be counted as the children of God and as of the saints of God and be recognized that way? Folks, if that's going to be the case, the house of God is going to have to start putting God first. God is going to have to be the most high. There is nothing or no one that is more omniscient than God. That's right. God is all-knowing in everything that He does. All-knowing. He knows our heart. And that ought to scare us. That really ought to scare us today. When we take a deep look inside of the closets of our heart and of our life, and we look at the things that we have tried to sweep under the rug and that we're trying to hide from those around us, and we stop and we take a sobering thought, God knows everything. That ought to jar us. That ought to shake us to our knees today. That ought to have us looking at God, asking Him for His forgiveness, asking Him for His repentance in our life. Asking Him to wash and wipe away those things. Asking Him to be real in our life. Because He is the Most High. Next, there is nothing or no one that is more omnipotent than God. Nothing is more powerful. We are celebrating today, for the most part, the power of our federal government in passing this so-called stimulus package that's going out there. And, and though there are those who are going to need the stimulus money and there are those who are going to be needing that stuff drastically and it's going to help out a lot of people and I'm thankful for it. But realize the authority that comes from all of those things, the authority that is given to each and every one of them does not come from the government. It does not come from the people. It comes from God. He supplies that. It is God that is all-powerful. 
If God chose not to let us have that stimulus package, he would wipe away the finances that we're going to use to pay for it. God would intervene in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It is God that is all-powerful. It is God that's going to wipe away this virus. It is God that's going to restore the stock market if it's going to be restored. It is God that's going to take care of the unemployment crisis if it's going to be taken care of at all. It is God that's going to take care of me and my family. It is God that's going to take care of you and your family. God is the one that is all-powerful and God is the one that is most high today. We need to keep that vision and we need to keep that thought. There is nothing or no one that is more omnipresent than God. He is not just in my life, but He is in your life. And He is in our lives together at the very same time. Don't ask me how He does it. He is God. He knows. He created everything. He moves in everything that is around us. Every, every time the breeze blows, it is He who makes it stir. Every time the rain falls, it is God that places it above our house. It is God that moves in everything that we do. It is God that is everywhere in every tragedy, in every blessing, in every praise, in every worship, in it all. It is God. Well, when we think about that, we have to remember that we often fail to approach God with the reverence that He deserves or that He even commands. We bow our heads in prayer, but do we pray in reverence? We open our Bible and we read, but do we open our Bible and read in reverence? What do we do in reverence to God? How do we humble ourselves before Him and place Him as most high in our life? We are told over and over and over in God's Word that He deserves and that He should be placed in these areas of our life and that He should be there as the omnipotent, omnipresent, and omnipotent one of our life. He should be the Most High. But how often do we place Him there? Do we want peace in life? Do we really want it bad enough to put God where He belongs? Because honestly, that's what it's going to take. If we want to return to genuine peace, in difficult times, we must return to God on His terms. We have to remember that. Israel lost track of that throughout the Old Testament. They were constantly placed under bondage in one way or another because they lost track of who God was in their life. They lost track of the importance of God in their life. Folks, America is losing the place of God and His importance in our life. And I will go far enough to say, it's not nothing new. America has lost this a long time ago. For decades, this has been going downhill. For decades, we have been ignoring God. We have been ignoring His Word. I remember as a small child when we would pray before school, before class, the teachers would lead us in prayer. I remember when they would lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I remember when school was a safe place to go. I remember when God's hand was on the hand of the teacher and when God's hand was on the hand of the school and on the, the, the building of the school and when God's hand was in the teaching of the curriculum. I remember this. 
And I know now that there are good godly teachers that are out there and God's hand is on their lives as well. But I also know as a system, we have asked God to leave and we've asked God to move out. We've told God to move on. We don't want Him anymore. And then when tragedy strikes, we want to ask where God is. Well, if He's not there, it's because we've asked Him to move. Folks, we've got to get real about this. If we want peace back in our lives and we want it to come from an eternal state, we've got to get God back to being the most high in our lives. Well, also, we've got to realize that we find peace through rest in Him. Through rest in Him as the Almighty. Look at our passage. It says plainly, the Almighty. So, when we come to God as the Almighty, we find that He is... Shaddai. That is the Hebrew for Almighty. This is the name for the Lord, the Old Testament people of faith. They referred to Him as El Shaddai, God Almighty. The term is found in passages that report God's promises of fertility, land, and abundance to them, indicating that He, the Almighty, could fulfill His promises. Here's something that we can apply in our lives today, folks. We can apply from the Old Testament. How can God fulfill promises in our lives? We want to think about that. We call them blessings today, but they are promises for God's Word. How does God prepare them and place them inside of our life? It is because we understand Him as Almighty, as El Shaddai. I just got through speaking about having Him as the Most High. Him being the Most High, He needs to also be the Almighty. When we see Him as the Almighty, we realize there's some very real things that take place in our life. We realize that peace is found through rest. Rest in God as the Almighty. When we realize Him and we put Him on a pedestal to be where He is supposed to be and we consider Him the El Shaddai in our life, then we realize first and foremost that there is nothing that God cannot do. There are some things that He will not do, but there is nothing that He cannot do. And we have to separate those things because God will separate them. There are things that God will not do in our lives. I tell people all the time, God will always answer our prayers and our petitions before Him. He will either answer them as a yes, no, or a not now. Yes, no, or not now. And it's all based upon what God knows about our life and what God wants to move and put forth in our life. Folks, think about that. We ask God to do certain things in our life and we picture, we picture the end. We picture what God, what God wants to do. We have an idea. And we're asking God not to answer our prayer, but we're asking God to grant us our wish. Do we really consider Him the Almighty or are we considering Him some genie in a bottle that we rub our Bible and He appears and He grants our wishes? There's a difference. God may look ahead in our life and He may see that what we want and the way we want it is not best for us. And He will grant that prayer only according to His will. We're too often not willing to do that. 
We're too often not willing to accept that. And then we walk away feeling that God has somehow let us down. Instead of us walking away realizing that God has our best interest. It is God that sees everything. It is He that is the Almighty. It is He that is the one that has a relationship that is established with us. It is He, He that is the one that will realize and move in our life. He is the one who knows what's best. So now that if we really and truly realize that God is the Almighty that we claim Him to be, we have to come back and realize that that is established by our personal relationship. We have a personal relationship with God if we know this. And that personal relationship comes to us through Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven which by a person can be saved unless it is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. He is the only way. He is the, he is the source of our relationship. Think about that. Think about that. And when we think about, mar when we think about relationships, let's think about marriage. There are many people today that are married, but there are many that also have a bad relationship. If they want to improve that relationship, they have to first look at themselves. They must first look to improve themselves. They must first look to improve or remove obstacles that they have put in place. Then they have to look at repairing the damage that those obstacles have caused. They have to restore that relationship. If we have a bad relationship with God today, we have to look at restoring that relationship. Now, it's not that complicated with God. You see, if we have a bad relationship with God, all we have to do is come to Him through Jesus Christ and do it genuinely. There is the trick. There is the caveat, if you will, to the whole thing. We've got to do it genuinely from the heart. God does require us to be genuine in our desire to have a relationship restored. I've known too many people that I've talked to that's wanted to get right with God long enough to cut a deal with Him. God, I'll give you this if you will give me that. God does not negotiate. God has things set. He has them set in eternity. He has them set from heaven. His Son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for you and I that we may have eternal life if we will come to Him and if we will ask Him for that and we will humble ourselves and we will pray and we will confess our sin and we will ask Him into our heart and into our life. He is almighty. He wants that relationship. Do we have that relationship? Christian, you may have had that relationship established at one time, but let me ask you a question. How far away have you strayed from that relationship. And I say, you have strayed because honestly, that's exactly what it amounts to. You see, if our relationship with God has a distance put in between us, it's because we have moved, not God. I say it very often in my messages. If we are away from, our, away from God and we've got distance in our relationship, it is because you and I have moved. It is not because God has moved. He is Almighty. Well, we also find peace by rejoicing in Him as Jehovah or as Lord. From verse 2, we read, The Lord is my refuge and my fortress. Notice, Lord is capitalized. 
This is done for a reason. God described himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read that to you. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by the name Jehovah was I not known to them. Moses knew God as Jehovah. And that was through a relationship. And through that relationship, the Hebrews rejoiced. And we discover by the, the meaning of the word, Jehovah also refers to things that have been redeemed. God as Jehovah sent Jesus as our Redeemer so that mankind could know Him as Lord and Savior. Folks, you think Jesus is just some novelty character? You think He is some science fiction, mystical character? Something that's going to look good on a big screen Hollywood movie symbol? No, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus laid in a tomb for three days. Jesus was resurrected, a living, breathing person, got up, rolled the stone away, and walked out on his own two feet. Jesus is very, very real. God is Jehovah Lord, and Jesus is his Redeemer. Jesus is the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was Jesus. And He came. And He came to bring peace. And He came so that people could rejoice in a relationship with God. Do you want peace today? Unsaved person, those that are lost today, do you want peace? You're not going to find it in a doctor. You're not going to find it in a scientist. You're not going to find it in the government. You're only going to find it in Jesus. Christian, do you want peace today? Look inside of your life. Find out where that distance is between you and the Lord. Work on removing those obstacles. Come back to God. Come back to Him and let His peace over shadow you. One last thing. We find peace by trusting Him as El, the mighty God. To close out this morning and this message, we learn there is peace by trusting God as El or Elohim. The psalmist reveals to us that using this word, by using this word as Elohim, that God is everything. Everything. He is Creator, King, Judge, Lord, and Savior. And from these things we know His character as being a character as compassionate and graceful and faithful to His covenants. No one knew it better than the psalmist. Today, no one knows this better than the genuine Christian. To the Christian that is walking in the right relationship with God. To the Christian who is living and breathing and walking as the Word of God 
and in the Word of God. I want to review what I said at the beginning. There is nothing or no one that is above God. There is nothing or no one that is above Him in your personal life. There is nothing or no one that is above Him. No idols, no distractions, nothing. There is no one that is more knowing. God is all-knowing. There is no one that is more powerful. God is all-powerful in all things. There is no one that is omnipresent. God is ever-present in all of our lives. Maybe you're not a Christian. And I want you to know that you can be. You can't do anything that is so bad that you cannot be saved. And you cannot be so good that you don't need salvation either. If you want to know peace, you have to first know Jesus. And that's where I leave you today, asking you to look at your life and look at your heart. Do you know Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given today to share this message across technology, across the internet, across the airwaves. And Heavenly Father, I want you to know that I love you and I love the people that you have given me charge over. Lord, I pray that this message will go out and I pray it will touch hearts and lives as only it can touch. I pray that it would return to you accomplishing everything you want it to do. Heavenly Father, I pray that I could stand out of the way and your word would get all glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.